It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. You're listening to The Blogcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm your host. And in episode five of our new season of Mindful Wonders in Nature, we're with musician, author and Radio 6 presenter Keris Matthews to talk about her new adaptation of Dylan Thomas's fabulous story of a day in the life of a Welsh village under Milkwood. Our own Margaret Bartlett was lucky enough to meet with Keris just before Christmas in Kew Gardens in West London. We're mostly here today too. Well, we're obviously enjoying this amazing walk, but we're mostly talking about your um, new book, which is um, a retelling of Dylan Thomas's um, Under Milkwood. And it's in a picture book format, which is absolutely enchanting, and I really love it. Oh, thank and you. I just wonder why, why, why you chose the picture book format for a retelling like this. Well... Because the original is so exceptionally brilliant, mm. and but it w- it wasn't something I could read as it was to my very young children. No, yes, and that was simply it. I was like, well, there must be more people than just me that want to use this time just before sleep, when children's minds are so active and. It's such a lovely moment in the day when you put down tools and you, you sit together, pyjamas and tea done, and you get to read together. Mm. And I love that moment. So you love all the... I mean, my favourites were Gruffalo, uh, Goodnight Moon, you know, of late then, Wonky Donkey. Things that yes. sound great, <laughs> yeah. things that are so characterful, yeah. and, and, and books that have such great text that... You, you bring them along with you yeah. during your daytime as well. Yeah. And um, that's where the idea was born, really. Why not? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I feel, I mean, I, 
I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, I've, I live in Wales. And Do you? Yes, in Cardiff. Oh, lovely. Enough, which I came from today. And in Wales, Dylan Thomas references are everywhere. And, um, you know, you're sort of surrounded by, by, by part of that sort of literature as history. But is it, is it different here in England? Did you want to sort of, did you want to kind of bring that, that work to a wider audience? Um, I had no more agenda than just because I I loved the, the original and I I knew it would work so brilliantly for young brains. Mm. That that was honestly, it, it's just a complete labour of love. There was no yeah. m- manifesto or agenda or anything. And in fact, I've been quite surprised because I grew up in Swansea, Dylan Thomas's city, looking at the same crescent-shaped bay. Mm. Went to school in Swansea, mm. didn't study Dylan Thomas once. On, on, oh, it wasn't on my curriculum mm. <laughs> for some whatever reason. And then I've met so many people here over the border where they did study Dylan Thomas. So they're more familiar with Endermilk Book from school than, than I certainly was until I took it up as an adult. So, um, But the thing is, I mean, the thing is that I always say it with, with the work of great writers... And you could be talking about James Joyce here, you could be talking about Langston Hughes here, WB8, Shakespeare. Hmm. It's almost missing the point to keep honing back to where they're born. Hmm. Because these brains are brilliant and we love them because, you know, they've got universal messages or a way with words that, that override everything but the magic of the power of those words and to to try and box them actually is not I don't know I love the fact that I can imagine and that's what I've done with the illustrated book as well I wanted any child from anywhere in any village or town or set up in the world to be able to pick up that book and see somebody who looks like themselves in it for one and because I knew in Dylan Thomas's text, he can certainly do that through the writing, because he writes about so many different larger-than-life characters. You know, you've got No Good Boyo, who obviously is always up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> Funny fish, it's all he's caught all day. Mm. So he's out there in the Zanzibar, and he all he catches is a is a corset, a whalebone corset, or he's up to no good in the washhouse. And then you've got, say, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard, who doesn't want people coming in because they I don't want them to breathe all over my chest, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah. and if you bring the what is it? Let the sun in and mind it, wipes its shoes. It's this complete neat freak. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got this sneak kind of dreamer that wants to kill his wife, Mr. Pooh, the schoolmaster, was reading all these books on arsenic and the great uh, poisoners, <laughs> you know, with all, this person with ulterior motives, you know, mm-hmm. that then gives a respect about, you've got all walks of life in, in there, you know, the, the, the fun ones, the dreamers, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that, that's why it's so brilliant, and then the ones that just so mischievous and the one like Jack Black the cobbler we just don't quite know what the heck he is up to <laughs> and there's that thing where he goes out into the already sinning dark and you just see him like Kate Evans who's done the illustrations mm. 
brilliantly done. Like off he walks with his trousers done up with a bit of cobbler's thread, the Bible in his hand, into the wood with his torch, and you can see the beam of light into the woods. Yeah. We have no idea what he's going to get up to. <laughs> it's up, no good, probably. No good, yeah. Yeah, but you know that the other thing, and um, is to try and try and make sure we didn't miss any of the detail in. Um, in the text that mm. we had to because it's not so much a retelling as just a version to exist as a gateway mm. to those that are not old enough for the full fat version sure yeah so it's more of an abridgment you, in, yeah. in a sense yeah, yeah. with mm. with you know exceptionally well i, I can say this because it's you know a great work by kate evans you know? yes yeah it's absolutely beautiful i love it um so do you have a favorite character from the book is there somebody that kind of from under Milkwood that kind of resonates the most with you? Um, there's so many in there that I like yeah. um, Mary Ann Sailors, so she's she's the, the octogenarian who, oh, yeah. who runs the yeah. pub, which is always open as the clock is on, you know, it's 11, it's always open in time <laughs> and Sailors Arms. There's a, there's, a, there's a moment in the, as they all, if you don't know Under Milkwood, it's kind of like 24 hours in the life of this village. And you meet the inhabitants when they're all dreaming and they're full on asleep and then they wake up super busy morning the afternoon slows down it gets to be quite a yawny lazy slumbering kind of afternoon then dusk then we're back at night time and then you leave them as they're all sleeping so it's, it's a perfect little yeah you know 24 hours for, for, for youngsters as well and yes. throughout the whole story you hear the march of time Mm. Um, there's there's uh, Lord Cutglass with his 66 clocks, slow clocks, quick clocks, two clocks, clocks that have no hand, who will never know what time it is. And and you, you hear that and in the tax it's tick-tock and shh, come closer. So it's, it's all these lovely little ways of keeping the listener really close at hand, watching the march of time, because he was obsessed, I think, mm. with our mortality and with this march of time. Mm. But it makes it really work well um, for, for young for young readers as well. But anyway, <laughs> I gone off. I'm like, let's see what this tree is because the bark is extraordinary. Oh, it is sweet chestnut. Oh, sweet chestnut. Wow, Castania sativa. It's absolutely huge as well. Couldn't even get your arms around that, could you? No. Nope. I reckon. What do you reckon? Four foot Ooh. across. Um. Yeah. Well, I'm five I'm foot? five. So. <laughs> Margaret, it's about five foot. <laughs> Don't fall over. No. Isn't that beautiful? Stunning. This is a huge monkey puzzle. Have you ever seen one as big as this before? Not so good for climbing. I never found. Not so good, no. <laughs> Bit ouchy. Yeah, Bit yeah. ouchy. They're amazing though, aren't they? But yeah, I love plants. Absolutely. I like mm. nature. That's, right. I love to, in any time off, I'm, I tend to want to drag the, the family to mountains and go yeah. hiking. So when you go out for walks and, and take your family out, where, whereabouts do you go from, from here? Where do you normally well, um, go for we're, an we're outdoor? We're in, in Kew Gardens at the minute because mm. it's the biggest um, park and it's also got a huge emphasis on seed collecting and, mm. and um, biodiversity in terms of, you know, you can see examples of these trees from all over the world. And I, I used yeah. to bring the children here and they could just run 
run around, but I, and yeah. then I could keep my brain busy by trying to recognise trees, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but now they're older. I mean, my youngest is just turned 13, so I've got right. three teenagers and a couple of older children as part of the blended family. So, mm-hmm. so now, um, we, we used to, I used to grab them and, and, and well, we, my favourite trip was we walked to um, Everest Base Camp when yes. my um, son was nine, my sons were nine and twelve. Wow. So that that was the, the biggest, best one, but what's, <laughs> what's the problem is now, like, where, what, what do you do to it was so astonishing and so exceptional yes. and, and, and just, oh, oh my goodness, if, if anyone is listening to this and have any inkling of a, a want to, to go and do it, just do it. Yeah, there was an 81-year-old on the trail. Really? Wow. It is, it is trails and the people want you to be there and yeah. the talk of rubbish and all that is really something that they're tackling mm-hmm. and they take immense pride and there's recycling bins mm-hmm. and, and they... And, you know the, the economy wants the tourists pound there, so don't don't even think twice. Beautiful, right. beautiful city of Kathmandu. Beautiful people, oh. beautiful food, and if Wonderful. you love nature, yes. Oh my gosh, that was one of the best things we ever did because, it's, you know, if you're walking three, say on average six hours a day, mm. um, up and down, up and down. Because obviously yeah. you've got to, you know, there's valleys as well before you hit the, yeah. the main trail. Um, you're going to see all the different types of plant life that grow in different elevations. Yeah. So you'd be going through juniper um, forests, little tiny juniper bushes as well. Then you'd go through rod- rhododendron forests. Oh, fantastic. Then you'd go into moonscapes where you'd have barely anything at all. Yeah. Um, and then all throughout, you're, you're being passed by these beautiful animals. Um, Yaks, but also the animal that you get when you mix yaks with cows, which are zows. Zows. <laughs> yeah. You're kidding. I've never heard of a yeah, zow. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then you just marvel at nature. That's a nice view right there, isn't it? Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. See a view down the avenue of oh, very could. old trees. Yeah, we, walk we could down walk straight down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trees. I'm fine. Yeah. I think. Well, they're not towards proper. the greenhouse. Yeah. Great. I'm sure they don't call it the greenhouse, do they? I think it's called the, is it the temperate house. <laughs> it's <laughs> massive. I know. It's Victorian exactly. and it's very famous. It's very big. And it's bigger yes. than your average greenhouse. <laughs> it's not the greenhouse but at it the is end of the garden. It's glass it, and it's got yes. plants in. Yes, and it's absolutely beautiful inside. Yeah. Um, so that's a very long answer to your question. Uh, I, but I love, I love taking, I love challenges. I love saying, right, mm. looking at a map and going, we're going to go from there to there. Yeah. We're going to do some more pilgrimages. There's another one I did with Phoebe. It was a pilgrimage uh, down ah. to um, to Michael's Mount in Cornwall. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. And then we did uh, Ben Nevis, Winter Conditions. Did you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, now, that's brave. And, that, and crampons. That, that's brave. That's a big, that's a big walk. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a little bit addicted to um, rock climbing as well. Now, indoor rock climbing more uh-huh. than the outside stuff. Yeah. Just as, as a sport that you can take up at any age. Mm. And what I love about it, I go along and there's a there's a session for over 50s. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And I see people still climbing and they've got to be in the 90s. You're kidding. No. I mean, it's That's well, imagine you, it's a, it's you, you can get to stretch, you yeah. can get to twist, you yeah. can get to use your mind. That's what I love because yeah, yoga true. just makes me want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can use your mind and your... You know, your, your 
you're stretching your sinews and mm. your joints and your mm. muscles, all of it, and a little bit of strength. Yeah, I think I think it's the world's best sport, actually. Mm. And it is incredible for building strength, isn't it? And like you say, you have to think, you have to find your route up. Yeah, it's like a crossword on on the wall, really, a yeah. physical crossword. So you, you yes. do your wordle. Yes. And then you um, <laughs> and then you you whirl your way over to the rock climbing centre and then you and if if you got if you got ropes and and you're tied in you're not gonna fall either. No. Yeah. Well, you might fall, but you're not gonna hurt yourself. Fingers crossed, you know. Yeah, yeah. In theory, the, you know, you've absolutely limited the danger. Yeah, yeah. I I, I like rock climbing too. So do you? Well, I used to do. I used to live in London. And I used to climb it, um, oh, it's near um, Stoke Newington, there's a climbing centre. Yeah. Climbing, yeah. And uh, yeah, for a little bit though, and I, re- I did really like it, but it's difficult to conquer, well for me, conquering the fear of heights was, yeah. you know, I'd get to the, near the top and then I'd st- my legs would start going. But that's natural. Yeah. I mean, can I be completely honest with you, yeah. that's why I started to... Um, rock climb is because mm. I'm absolutely terrified of heights and going to, I knew I was going to Everest and there are some parts of the trail where it completely does fall away and I thought well you know what why not try and get your head around this exposure yeah. before we go so it's just part of it and as long as you, you're tied in yeah. you just you know you just talk to yourself don't you Yeah. and enjoy it even yeah. but there's still there's moments where you're climbing and you're up going around the corner and you're like even in an indoor centre, you're yes. like, oh, really? So now that you've done Ben Nevis, what, what would be, what would be, oh gosh, what's up there? Well, been... I haven't done Scaffold Pike yet. So that's, ah, Scaffold Pike, that's yeah. That's on the um, agenda. And then yeah. I was going to do Tidy in Tenerife. Uh-huh. But um, my husband's not quite as keen as me, and so a, an, an right. overnight climb through the night wasn't something I could persuade him to do. It was a very Ooh. short trip. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so we just did a four-hour hike um, down the tidy in the, in the end. Right, OK. Um, which was a, no, a long lava flows and things. Oh, so fantastic. It, it was good. It was <laughs> it was quite achy the following day because it, it's a lot of rocks and serious so right. like, It's quite uneven ground and it give, yeah. give your hip sockets quite a workout, I must admit. Yeah, you need good boots for that kind of thing. I think you probably need trampolines or something as feet. Yeah, so, <laughs> so really bouncy. So, do you, in terms of your of your kind of sort of well-being and your kind of mental health, do you find that? I mean, how does the outdoor being outdoors help in terms of making you feel feel good, feel better, not just health-wise, but mentally? I've, oh, yeah. I can't even. Oh, I don't know where to start, really. Mm. You know, the word makes no sense. The urbanised, suburbanised, 2022 world of of all the information of all the injustices mm. and all the moronic things that humans do to each other mm. is very hard to make sense of. Mm. Um, so to walk out if you can find it still, into relative wilderness mm. and to see what the natural world 
is up to after millions and millions and millions of years of, of growing and changing. Yeah. You know, without man's touch on it, as yeah. violent as nature is as well. It, yeah. But but there's there's an in, in a sense to it that um, can refill the batteries for sure. We've just yeah. come across this copse of woods with like poppies hanging from yeah. the trees. They Lit up poppies. poppies. Do you think they light up at night? Oh yeah, you can yeah. see there. Oh, I see. There, yeah, like, they are. Yeah, yeah. I think they are, unless it's the sun going in there. Oh yeah, I think they're. No, it's yeah. not. The sun's behind us, so it's got to be lit up. Yeah. Let's have a look to see Isn't that beautiful? Oh yes, they are. You're right. It's got to be yeah, a remembrance yeah. day or something. Yeah. Gosh, it's absolutely stunning, isn't it? How oh, pretty. We went to the Illuminations in Cardiff Park on the weekend. And, oh yeah. Um, Let's keep going to the amazing. Oh, we're supposed to be going that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that was amazing to see all the trees lit up at night. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's exciting that you're doing, like, proper sort of challenges outdoors and, and things rather than, you know, like you're setting yourself for actual real goals. Yeah, I, I quite like that. I don't, my, yeah. my husband doesn't quite get it. He's like, why, why do you, you know, what, what are you looking for? <laughs> you're short. And yeah. I'm like, no, my kind of brain. And that's the thing, when you get to a certain point, you you recognise what your personality, you know, mm. different personalities need different things. And I, I don't, I mean, today we're just wandering around kind of aimlessly. Yes. Which is one kind of walk. <laughs> Shut off that puddle. Yeah. Right? And, and it's a lovely thing to do this. Yeah. I see all these geese. Willy-nilly, to quote uh, <laughs> Under Milk Word. Yes. But there's other times, especially when it's a harder physical walk, I like to know this is the aim. Mm. This is day one, we're here, all being well, we're going to go through here, 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 and this is where you're going to end mm. up. And you're going to end up tired. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have, even if it's a small thing, but you're going to have an achievement. Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know why that is, but I've got that kind of brain, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, I like a challenge. Yes, yes. So, so I like pilgrimages. Yeah. And then I like mountains. You start there yeah. and you go to the top and then you come down again. Or you go to that point of the mountain you come down here. It's just something, there's something that you can, it's, bite, it's a bite size of understandability or something. I don't know why. Yeah. It's sort of, yes, an achievable goal. Yeah. Yeah, a beginning and an maybe end. It's a control thing. Yeah. It's some, a small thing in life you can control within reason. Yes, yes, exactly. And it, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt anybody either. Mm. That's it. Apart from my husband, <laughs> who I make do these things with. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's good. At the end, he's probably thankful that he's done something special. Yeah. Well, he, he loved Everest. Yeah. He loved that walk, and the boys did as well. Mm. And my, my older boys now... 17 and a half and mm-hmm. uh, he, he hiked down the Grand Canyon and we we all went um, <laughs> we all went up Snowdonia and uh, again I think it was January so it was, it was miserable Ooh, wet yeah. and cold and misty but we did it I did have to push one of them up with my head the last <laughs> few metres but uh, again oh, that well was with done. Phoebe yeah Phoebe's got all the tricks, you know, he's got the Mars bars hidden away and the chocolates and the jelly beans to keep children going. It's crucial, isn't it? You know, so yes. Yeah, it yeah. works. It's the only thing that gets my son to the top of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. 
So can I t- go back a little bit to talk about um, you, you sort of have a family connection with um, Dylan Thomas, Thomas's mm. work, don't you? With, for, with your your uncle. Mm. Now, how was how was how was he involved? Well, he was a in broadcaster. The, yeah. Um, mostly, he moved to Canada and was a broadcaster in Canada. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Thomas died in the ni- early 1950s under the cloud of disrepute. Let's say, you know, he he was part of the sort of surrealist art tribe in um, Fitzrovia in London and, and so you know he, they were all testing the norm the social norms of the time um, and yeah he drank a lot and he didn't kowtow to social norms mm. um, and he in the end of his life he was always needing money mm. he had like many poets and artists he had patrons but he you know and he worked in the oil industry for a minute just for some money Definitely, um, yeah. um, and then he had these long American tours um, and if you look at his schedule it's 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 pretty clear the pressures he was under you know mm. to his debtors to, to fulfill these tours um, which ultimately ended up with him being in a coma in New York. Mm. Um, not to say that the whiskies didn't uh, <laughs> help her get to that point quickly, but also they gave him opiates. Um, Did they? And the opiates on top of an already weak lung system. And um, I suspect pneumonia would have suppressed his breathing and tipped him over into death at 39. Um, all of this... Mm. And all of the detail you find via my uncle's um, tapes, hundreds and hundreds of hours of tapes that he interviewed the people that were there. Right. Mm. Um, the lady that helped Dylan Thomas finish Under Milkwood. I mean, if you think about it, Under Milkwood itself, he started when he was still a little boy in school. Mm. And he worked on it all of his life, or returned to it periodically, and then it was his last work that he finished and he, he only just finished it because this lady pushed him to do it as editor um, just before those curtains were rising you know gosh and then a few months Incredible. later he was dead so oh, yeah yeah gosh. but complex most humans are complex anyway you're not gonna yeah. have you know figure them out in, in the headlines no. but my, my my uncle as a broadcaster and as a broadcaster that was was living outside of Wales Mm. recognised that he was a, a huge literary figure and if nobody took notes and made interviews at this point that it would be forever be lost mm. who the real yeah. Dylan was mm. so he went and he interviewed Florence Thomas his mum Eiranoi, the daughter the, the sons mm-hmm. um, friends, family, the pub owners, um, the doctor that sold to him in New York, the editors, the publishers, wow. the, pro, uh, the, the patrons, anyone who had anything to do with the learn, my, my, my uncle Colin Edwards got in touch with and, and recorded and he, he kept all those recordings on tape, I had the tapes, the physical tapes uh-uh. and I know, so, so yeah. It's, it's lovely when it's, I don't know, one touch away, isn't it? 
and then and then he's now they're all for free for anyone to they're transcribed and they're in the National Library of Wales. Ah, really? Are they? Okay. But there was a there's a moment what he recognised was um, there was a moment that that everyone was like turning away from him because of his disrepute. You know, it mm. was a typical thing like what the neighbours, what were the neighbours? <laughs> you know, let's distance ourselves from him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he wanted to do something about it, and that's one of the things he did in his spare time. You know. Mm. So there's a couple of books now um, that have been made from those transcriptions, but he's always his work is always used to try and make sense of this mm. man who was ultimately, you know, a romantic in a sense. And that that's the thing with Under Milkwood, having spent ten years making it into this version, which is a gateway for all ages. Yeah. With the blessing of Hannah, the granddaughter, mm. and the family, you know. Trevor, the the son-in-law, and friends of them all now, and with oh. the blessing of the publishers of Endermilkwood who own the rights. Yeah. Well, I, the the one thing that sings out so loud is that this is a a book of love and a book of hope. Hmm. He describes Claregib as this place of love. You got Mrs. Diebred one and Mrs. Diebred two, with a magic ball, what do you call it. And <laughs> um, say, what do you see, lovey? I see a bed with three pillows on it. There's some text above the bed. What's it say? It says, God is love. <laughs> so there's something quite biblical about it in, in that sense. Well, you know, this Bible black, this Bible's mentioned so many times in it. I mean, this mm. is, when did he write it? Well, he started, right? it would be in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, um chapels were pretty big at that point yeah but I think more, more to the point it's about yeah it's about warts and all life and living as a community and us all being different mm. and us all being flawed but ultimately having hope that there's goodness in us all as well mm. Mm. and then that's it becomes abundantly clear when you distill down the the text that mm. it, this is a love affair a love love letter to life wherever you're from in the world and that's that's what I and and also this acknowledgement of the, the transience and the fleeting nature of life on earth as well human life one human's life yeah. and to, to grasp at it while you have it you know mm. so and I think that's what I but also not just that though it's just the beauty of his writing <laughs> it's as simple as that is as well and being able to read it loud and put voices to the characters there's so many elements I love mm-hmm. in it much as I can say about any group you know I love reading full stops it doesn't just have to be Dylan Thomas it's yeah. I, I love reading I love George Eliot yeah. you know I'm reading Bleak House again at the minute with Dickens I, and it oh, starts off fog it. fog fog you know that beginning Yeah, yeah. and you're just like oh my god so this repetition and it's it's music, isn't it? Mm, mm. When you when you hit writing that you love, you just hear it sing. Yeah. Anyway, but you did ask me earlier about my favourite characters, and it, and it was yeah. um, we got way laid by that ancient tree, didn't we? Yes, <laughs> sweet chestnut. So, so there's this there's Marianne Sailors, and she opens the windows of the pub where she lives, and I made tea five years in a day. Praise the Lord who made porridge. And that's that's her in a nutshell, you know, this really positive, you know, yeah. matriarch who runs the, the, the village pub and is full of life at 83 and um, evidently it's a lot of porridge. 
<laughs> oh, it's lovely. And those phrases just stick in your mind then, don't they? Yeah. You know, you just go around when you're next to the porridge and go, Praise the Lord who made <laughs> porridge! Even if you can't help it, and people are like, What? <laughs> So do you, th- do you think that, well, speaking of praising the Lord, do you think that kind of the sort of communal singing and um, chapel life of Wales kind of contributed to Dylan's, Dylan Thomas's kind of approach? It's quite lyrical and sort of... I mean, he, he, he wrote things to be spoken aloud, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. No, yeah. no doubt about it A lot of all. musicality in there. But we'll go back to Robert Burns and WB8. They were all obsessed with music as well. Mm. And you can hear that in their work as well. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's by default of where they were born, I, I couldn't comment. I don't know, but mm. I definitely 100% know that, you know, the era Dylan Thomas was brought up in Wales, even if he never admitted that he could speak Welsh, he definitely could understand it. Sure. No doubt about it, mm. because his mum did, mm-hmm. his dad did, his his his, his auntie's favourite auntie Anne or his grandmother Anne. I mean, it was just one of the older generation in his family. They'd stay on her farm, Fern Hill, mm-hmm. and that was in Carmarthenshire in Westwards. It would have been everyone was speaking yeah. Welsh. Yeah. So the sound of it, and the and the strict metre of it, and the poetry and the bardic poetry is absolutely no doubt. To about it at all he was completely aware of it and was able to enjoy the words and, and the sound of it mm. and the chapel as you mentioned you know that you know even my generation I was going to chapel three times in a Sunday you know it's three changed times. three times in a Sunday you know and the harmony singing but even now in the generations coming up now you're going to have the singing you see it in the World Cup it's just part and parcel of growing up where you happen to be growing up where people burst into song in the pub, you know, or on the terraces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't even think about it. And the harmony singing, particularly. I and mean, they've been doing that since, I don't know, what was that travel writer called? Gerald? I can't remember. Anyway, 11th century or something. Oh, right. Are the yeah, yeah, singing yeah. harmony, whereas other people sing in unison. <laughs> I love that quote. Anyway, ah. Gerald of Wales, was it? God. Yeah. So when you were growing up in, in Cardiff and Swansea, did, was was being outdoors quite a bit of your of your life? Did you get out a lot? Yeah. Yeah. My mum and dad loved... I mean, I was thinking about this when, when you asked me to come for a walk. Cause mm. When I was young, I remember going, oh, no, not again. <laughs> you know, and here I am as an adult doing the same to my children. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they loved the outdoors. And my a lot of my family are from West Wales, which is very wild. Mm, yeah. And... Um, we we were able to go at every point. We had a caravan there, and my cousins had a farm there. So at every point, when school breaks allowed, we'd be in West Wales. So that meant, you know, picking periwinkles from the rock pools. It was helping out with the, the dairy farm, you know, with the milking. It was helping carving. It was helping with the slurry and uh, everything. You know, anything. I I wanted to be a farmer actually, or a farmer's wife when I was growing up. Did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's hard work, especially now. So it it didn't feel like we were really brought up to be city kids so much because of that. Yeah, yeah. And do you miss that living here now? Do you miss that that sort of connection with the countryside? I I must because that's why every time I time and work allows, I get get the hell out. (laughs) So I must do it. But there's. 
that doesn't go to I do, what I do love about living in the big city is the mix of people um, and we've got we're, you know oh, another brilliant D- Dylan Thomas thing is Lan when you read about Lan oh Lan yeah um, I got off the bus and never got on again you know and people come here for a whole whole uh, myriad of reasons and one of them is to escape from the international police and he lists all these reasons why people end up in land yeah. and I read that occasionally and I've read it in places all over the world and you can uh-huh. say it about a lot of places we're all you know so many places have a mix of people some would have been born there others are you know came on the bus and then never got on again you know and yeah and i i love that about london love yeah because i love cooking and spook food spicy food and you know look at look at the range of choice we have now well i usually time a reading the time of day it's at now so yeah. it's at the end of the afternoon let's have a look sort of almost is it three Half past two almost. Alright, I think we'll go in here because I haven't done this one. So we just say goodbye to Mr. Willy Nilly, the postman, who's a very naughty postman because he and his wife steam open the mail so they know the ins and outs of everybody's lives in under Milkwood. Yeah. And um, he knocks on the door of Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. Good morning, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. Good morning, postman. Here's a letter. A gentleman wants to study birds, and can he have accommodation for two weeks? No, I don't want persons in my nice clean rooms breathing all over the chairs. Cross my heart, he won't breathe. Look at that no good boy now. Too lazy to wipe his snout. Outside, the sun springs down on the rough and tumbling town. It stirs gossamer bynan, schoolmistress, like a spoon. It foams in a flame in Jack Black as he cobbles a high-heeled shoe for Mrs. Diebred, too. There is no leg belonging to the foot that belongs to this shoe. Mrs. Diebred 1 and Mrs. Diebred 2 are sitting outside the house in Donkey Lane. What do you see, lovey? I see a feather bed with three pillows on it and a text above the bed. God is love. Is that enough? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's it goes in, The Thank reason you. I'm stopping there is because it goes into singing, Polly Garter singing with a garter on her leg. Oh, yeah, yes. And then, <laughs> and then the children come and... I've cut, you know, there's quite a lot of mischief and humour in the original and you have to, you know, like the kids are playing in the yard and, you know, kids can be cruel. Mm. So, what's your name? Billy. Kiss me and goosegog lane, Billy, or give me a penny, silly. Gwenny, Gwenny, I can't kiss you in Milkwood. Why? Because my mother says I mustn't. Put him in the river, up to his liver. Quick, quick, dirty dick, beat him on the bum with a rhubarb stick. Hi! And then you go into Mr. and Mrs. Pugh in their dining room. But there's another bit in here. I'm going back a little bit in mm-hmm. time to yeah. the afternoon. I think it's the afternoon. And 
if you don't grab this book off me, I'll carry on. And <laughs> so here we are. It's another. It's a village scene where everything's going on. This is like kind of like the peak of the day, um, and you see it from the perspective of Captain Cut. So this is what he hears from his window. Johnny Crack and Flossie Snail kept their baby in the milking pail. Sitting at the open window of Schooner House, blind Captain Cat hears all the morning of the town. You can tell it's spring. The morning's busy as bees. Noses are wiped, heads picked hair, combed paws, scrubbed ears, boxing the children shrilled off to school. Somebody's at Margie Richards. Two to one, it's Billy Swansea. Never trust a boy who barks. Ruff, ruff. I love that line. It's so good. Never trust a boy who barks. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so then you'll have to pull that out, that one out to your son. If, if yes. he comes back with some problems, you'll just go, just never trust a boy who barks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's all love in it. there. I love it. Yeah, thanks for asking me to read. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Honestly, Margaret, what a pleasure to come out. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's Best Eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. Oh, so that was the wonderful Keris Matthews with our own Margaret Bartlett in Kew Gardens. And I'm incredibly jealous of Margaret because that was just, it was lovely to hear Keris talk about nature, talk about her work, talk about the magic of Dylan Thomas. And what a joy. And they, they, they got on so well together, which I really loved. I loved the companionship. I loved their to and fro. And it, it was a delight. Talking about companionship and delights, though, I'm back in the studio with Jack and Hannah, who help me make the podcast. Lovely to see you both. Lovely to see you. Hello. Were you entertained by Keris Matthews? So entertained. So sweet, yeah. They're so nice together. And like the little touches where they're like, watch out for that puzzle. (laughs) Mind you don't fall down here. It's just so lovely to be listening in on that conversation. It was. It was. You're exactly right. It felt like a a very warm friendship between... And also... I, I, it was just lovely because I, I've always been a bit starstruck by Keris Matthews. And I was slightly pleased when, jealous, but slightly pleased when <laughs> Margaret offered to go and meet her because I was, I think I might have been a bit sort of awestruck. Well, she's uh, incredibly impressive. Like she was talking about learning to climb because she was 
scared of heights. Like there's something so amazing about pushing into that fear. Yes, exactly. And she seemed to take sort of climb away. I climbed Everest the other day, and, uh, and we've done this, and we're going to go up Scuffle Pike. I mean, we did Ben Never. I mean, I was I was out of breath listening <laughs> to that bit. But my favourite part of that was hearing Keris do the voices from Under Milkwood. It was just delightful. Mm-hmm. And ah, oh, she really got them. She clearly lives through the, those. Oh, it was lovely. And Hannah, I know you're a big fan. I'm a massive fan. Like growing up in Swansea, it's sort of Dylan Thomas is this huge icon. You sort of can't move without sort of feeling him there. I know that Karis said that she grew up in Swansea and she didn't learn any Dylan Thomas when she was in school, but we definitely did. And it was brought out every Christmas. We did Charles Christmas in Wales every Christmas. It was. It was there. And there's something so beautiful about the way he uses adjectives. He sort of so completely paints a picture. It's an exact picture of what the thing is just from lists and lists of adjectives. Mm. And I love that to bits. Yeah, He's painting it, almost. It, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, my Welsh father-in-law reads A Child's Christmas in Wales to my son every Christmas. And it's just magic because it's a whole story. You feel... It's a good 20, 30 minutes read, and it's a whole wonderful series of events and totally engrossing. I could listen to it endlessly, on a loop, although it is late January now. Perhaps we should move on. <laughs> but that's one of the great thing about, things about Dylan Thomas's writing is that it, it sort of comes alive when it's spoken. It sort of needs that. You can read it to yourself, fine, read out of the book, lovely. But if you read it aloud to yourself or have it read to you, it becomes this another thing. And especially under Milkwood, because that was always meant as a play for voices. It's just got this sort of sing-song. Well, you're, you're right. It was originally a radio play, wasn't it? Yeah. It, so look out for Keris's new book. It's called Dylan Thomas. It's Under Milkwood, a retelling by Keris Matthews. And it's published by Weidenfeld and Nicholson. Before we go on, we've had a new entry into the podcast post bag. And it's a lovely, lovely letter. Thank you, Jack. Have you have you reached in and grabbed it out for? Um, I've I've got in. It's on the very top of the bag this time, and I've got it out and I've passed it to my dear friend Hannah. Oh, thank you, because so she's much. got more of a lovely voice to read it. <laughs> that is not true, but thank you. So this is from Graham Jackson in the Netherlands. He says, "The podcast has reignited my love of nature, something which I had long taken for granted. It's been a source of solace and support during a year spent recovering from burnout as a result of my duties as a nurse." The Netherlands may be small, but I'm very fortunate to have a diversity of habitats nearby and some of the only hills in the country. Walking has always been part of my routine and exploring the Northamptonshire countryside was a big part of my childhood. Since moving to the Netherlands, I'd replaced it with the speed and convenience of cycling. This made it hard to connect with the Dutch landscape and I realised I'd lost sight of the importance of walking and nature to my own sense of well-being. The healing, almost spiritual quality of walking seems obvious now, but it has allowed me to clear my mind and accept my mental health issues as part of me. The podcast has helped me re-evaluate who I am and what I allow to define me. By reconnecting to nature, I formed a connection to my surroundings and finally feel rooted to the area in which I live. So a big thank you to the team for your insightful and spellbinding podcasts. In moments of darkness and turmoil, your reassuring voices mean the world to me. That's totally beautiful email. And when you've read that now, I'm touched, actually. I'm sort of a little lump in my throat. It's so, so lovely to read an email like that. Thank you, Graham. Yeah, that's, I mean, gosh, it's sort of more than we hate from the blog, blogcast. 
that we, we, we just wanted to share some lovely adventures outside. But of course, the reason we go outside and wander and look at nature, wander and wander at nature and landscapes and the curious folk we meet on our travels is because we want to have, it's like, a, it's all about contentment and happiness and finding something that is f- fulfilling, deeply fulfilling. And, you know, definitely I, I, in dark times, getting out into the Brecon Beacons has always been my first sort of first port of call. And it generally works. It's magic. But uh, it's what this series is all about, really. It's those mindful walks in nature. One point, Graham, you make there is uh, about cycling and the difference between cycling and walking. It's really interesting because cycling is one way many, many people connect to the outdoors and nature. And I constantly see people heading up and down the hills where I live in Wales. And I was out on on a bike, on an e-bike, making a podcast uh, on Friday, last Friday, so a few days ago. And it was a most amazing experience. I was flying along. The power of having a motor is just, it's just magic. I went into the most fabulous places and explored industrial ruins and beautiful nature reserves and stopped for tea in a pretty little Welsh town. And all in a, I covered about 30 miles. But when, it, when I got home, I sort of realised that I hadn't, all I, all I, I just had that sort of connection to the bike and it, everything had flown past me. And it had got me to places really quickly and really cheaply. And I did, I'd had this thrilling time, slightly frightening time at times, because uh, there's a big steep descent coming off, coming from Blind Avon back to Abergavenny. It's five miles downhill. And that's, I, unfortunately, my batteries had run out. Otherwise, you would have just heard a sort of uh, a, a whale. A whale, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I, I agree. I like to walk to Mersma. Do, do you feel the same? Because I can see how that would make a difference to how you're experiencing this, the place, certainly. Because you're going through it so quickly and you're actively trying to make sure that you're balanced well and mm. you're not going to come across anything. Sort of, it, yeah, like what you're saying about you having a connection to the bike and physically holding onto the bike rather mm. than kind of stepping forth makes total sense. That's it. I was particularly coming downhill where I could feel my weight resting on the handlebars through numb fingers. I was just, I couldn't take in my surroundings. And I was going through the most beautiful landscape. I think walking is definitely the way. Bikes are wonderful. The greatest invention humankind has ever, uh, apart from the podcast. (laughs) Um, But we also talk about that rhythm of the footsteps as well, like mm. mimicking the heartbeat and that kind of almost mindless, repetitious movement kind of, being almost meditative and sort of settling you back down again, I can see why cycling may not have the same effect. I think that's. I think it's just a general thing, though. I think it's people always think about getting to the destination, mm. and it's not always about that. I think sometimes it's the journey you're going on. Is just if you take time during that, that's where you can get to see see all this stuff. I think sometimes people are so focused on the. Let's get a bit deep. The end goal. No, this is very <laughs> profound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they don't see the, the the beauty that's around them on the way. Yeah, the A to whoever, not the A to B. It's the A to whichever. <laughs> yeah. So I got off my bike and did some walking. I've got a couple of things to report back to the studio. I had a couple of amazing sightings. Go on. I was walking on my regular dog walk down to the river. It was a lovely day. 
and I was walking along a tiny little stream which flows a little tributary of the River Usk. Suddenly there was a big splash in the water and I looked around and to my surprise there was an otter in the water, in a tiny stream. I mean, it was a bit swollen because of the flooding, but the water was clear and I could see it sinuously moving down. It was moving very fast and like a great bow wave. So at first I thought, oh my goodness, it's like a salmon, but it was uh, an otter. Uh, I don't think, yeah, just, I've never seen one in this tiny little stream. And I imagine there must be lots of fish that have swum up or come across in the floods and have now easy pickings for, because there was a cormorant in there as well, feeding his little face. That's fantastic. So that was brilliant. And then the other night, sitting in my living room, it was getting dusk, it was sort of dusky, and there was a huge swarm of birds up in the sky. It was starlings, like a couple of thousand of them doing oh a sky goodness. dance above Abergavenny. Well, I... I was speechless. What are they like, even doing? Yeah, I know. What are you doing here? Get <laughs> down from there. Exactly. You're not supposed to be here. So that was really heartening because there, I haven't seen a starling roost outside of some of the big starling roosts on the Somerset levels. Or, but to have one above my house, in a, you know, I haven't seen, I've lived there for 12 years. I haven't seen a starling roost. What that means, I don't know. Maybe there's just a group have turned up and they found good feeding. They might not be here next year or maybe... They're branching out and they're settling and who knows, we might have a big starling influx. But it was very exciting and a proper swirling. And, and you could hear the, the sound of their wings. I love that. Like whirring, really almost oppressive whirring as they come across and you know, darken the sky. So fabulous things have happened. I feel very upbeat about, about the wildlife on my doorstep. You're extremely lucky. Yeah, so, um, so that's good. Well, yeah, let us know your... Anything that's exciting that's happened in your part of the world, please send thoughts, emails, sounds, if you've recorded. I I didn't get out in time to record the whir of the starling's wings because I was too gobsmacked. But if you have recorded that, I would love to hear that. Mm. Play it as our sound of the week. And we would, well, we've always got a little prize from our podcast library. Talking of which, Graham's letter deserves a prize. I agree. Um, I found, well, I hope this is a book that will appeal. I really like the look of this. It's called A Flower a Day by Miranda Yanatka. And it's 365 flowers, different species of flower, burst into bloom somewhere in the world. This collection of 366 flowers. Well, cheeky. They've gone for a leap here. (laughs) Um, Reveals more than their beauty, but also fascinating folklore, history and other wonderful stories so i think this could be sort of wet weather reading it's got fantastic pictures in it it's too. just beautiful well graham um this will wing its way to you and i hope you enjoy it as i say get in touch you can email me my email address is editor at countryfile.com and i look forward to hearing from you but for now from hannah jack and me it's goodbye